when it comes to voting, Catholics in the United States are split down the middle. It is not a monolith, and in many ways, Catholics simply disagree with the teachings of the church and the church's leaders. Yes, I am anti-abortion, but I am also anti-racism. I am anti-mass incarceration. I am anti-death penalty. Where can a person of goodwill who supports human rights for all stand in this political climate? Subscribe to Voting Catholic wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we'll give a quick update on COVID in the Vatican. Then we'll dive into Evgeny Afanevsky's new documentary, Francesco, which premieres in Rome today. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from sunny Rome, Colleen. How are you doing? I see that cases in Italy, cases of COVID, are are on the rise again. What's happening? Yes, we had uh, about 10,000 cases last evening in Italy and uh, 12,000 the day before. Uh, The government has introduced new measures to try to contain the virus because there's a feeling now that we've moved into a second wave. And to give you an example, my son's school, Juan Pablo school, there are 30 classes. 22 of them are now in quarantine. So that's a lot. And uh, the fear is that perhaps in a week, the whole school will be closed. Uh, The government has given the mayors of the cities and towns the power to close the piazzas at nine o'clock in the evening, to close the streets, to more or less put a curfew on the streets. Restaurants can stay open until midnight, providing they are serving at the table. So the government is really trying to avoid a close down, but uh, it's going to be very difficult. And Jerry, we talked last week on the show about some cases in the Vatican. We talked with the Swiss Guard and these three other cases of Vatican residents. What's going on there? Well, the more serious one was after we'd spoken last week, I think on Thursday or Friday, we got news that there was one case in Santa Marta. That's the Vatican guest house where the Pope is living. One positive case, that person is resident there. And so he was moved out and put in isolation, obviously. But several other people more than six other people have been put in isolation. And there's been quite a lot of concern because this is the place where the Pope is living. And we've had the Swiss guards, those who stand outside his door at night, at least perhaps 11 of them have been, about 10% of the Swiss guards have been tested positive for COVID, and many others have been put in isolation as preventative measure. Now, those other three resident cases that we mentioned last week, the ones who were not Swiss guards, those are fully recovered, right? So what what total number of cases are we at now? Well, it's difficult to know. Yes, the other three cases who are Vatican City, Vatican employees are now fully recovered. We don't know how many others. Perhaps we get a new update in the end of the week. They don't give an update every day. Now, this evening, Colleen, the Pope is going to Capitol Hill for a big interreligious meeting organized by the Sant'Egidio community. It's very delicate and people are a little concerned because some of it will be in the open air. It's got colder in Rome. Uh, we've got to be very careful. They have to be very careful that the Pope doesn't get a cold in the midst of this. Mm-hmm. I hope he'll wear a mask to this meeting. Ooh. 
come la tragica pandemia di coronavirus ci sta dimostrando, abbiamo mancato nel custodire la terra, nostra casa giardino. La umanità vive una crisi che non è solamente economica e finanziaria, también es ecológica. Jerry, I want to talk to you about our main story for this week, which is that there's a new documentary on Pope Francis premiering in Rome on October 21st. That's tomorrow for us, but it'll be the day that our listeners are hearing this show. Um, and this documentary is a look at Francis's papacy kind of through the lens of the issues that he's focused on in his pontificate. So, like, there's sections on migrants and refugees, there's sections on the economy, there's even a section on the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and it includes a new interview with the Pope, which is why we're talking about it. Um, And in this, the thing that's probably going to grab the U.S. headlines, at least, is that Francis endorses civil unions for same-sex couples. Um, before we get into that specific part of it, though, I know that you've seen the film. You've spoken for a couple hours with the film's director. What did you think of it? What do you make of the new documentary? Yes, I had a two-hour conversation with Evgeny Asfineski. He He's a Russian-born Jew who grew up, he told me, learning that God does not exist. Uh, he was taught atheism in the school. He moved uh, to the Ukraine, did some films, then moved to Israel and lived for quite some time there. And he said he learned to pray in Israel as well. And then in 2016, he spent a long time in Syria doing a documentary. And he told me, he said, I saw really the depths of depravity of humanity there. And I came away traumatized, and I was looking for somebody, someone who would give me hope and light, etc. And somebody said to me, why don't you look at Pope Francis? And so this film is a film which has taken almost three years. He tried to make contact with the Pope in March 2018, but only eventually met him in November of 2018. And He went to Argentina in end of March, beginning of April, spent some time there, and then went around to various parts of the world in these three years where the Pope had been. So when I saw the film, Colleen, and that was your question, what did I make of the film? It was like revisiting what I had seen and experienced in these last seven years. <laughs> kind of a trip down memory lane. Absolutely. What he tries to bring out in the film, Colleen, he said, I looked for somebody who gave hope and light, and I found a man who is pro-life person on the global scale. He said, in the States, we tend to, and the politics tend to reduce pro-life to the single issue of abortion. But this is not the case, he said. This is a pope who is pro-life. He's concerned about climate change. And then he showed the Pope going into the Central African Republic to stop war. He says, this is a man pro-life. He's trying to stop war. Then he shows he's pro-life because he's trying to help the refugee crisis. And uh, he showed Sister Norma Piemontel. You remember that sister? She works She works at the, at the U.S.-Mexico border. That's exactly right. And he shows there. And then he, he shows this this part where the Pope speaks on the plane about those who build walls become prisoners of the wall they built. And uh, that famous thing where he said, you're not Christian if you build walls. That, that That's not what Christianity is about. It's about building bridges. 
Pope Francis talks in the interview about the Trump administration's policy of separating children from their parents, undocumented children from their undocumented parents at the border when people are trying to cross uh, from Mexico into the U.S. He, he called it a savage act. He called it an act of barbarism. He called it something a Christian cannot do. And I know this is, you know, consistent with Francis's other words on immigration policy, but I am curious about it in light of, you know, what we talked about a few weeks ago with with Francis not wanting to meet with Mike Pompeo because he didn't want to be seen as trying to influence the U.S. election one way or another. You know, now we have Francis in a documentary coming out a few weeks before the election, pretty strongly critiquing a Trump administration policy. I, I wonder, you know, do you read that as as being opposed to the strategy he took when not meeting Pompeo? I, I don't think there's any connection, Colleen. Mm. He, he did not know when this documentary was going to be shown. Mm-hmm. But re- remember, Colleen, he wrote the encyclical, and the encyclical was published on the 4th of October, exactly one month before the American elections. Now, there is so much in that encyclical that challenges the the policies of the administration. Certainly, yeah. The the point is, the Pope had no editorial control over the film, not the Vatican. It was totally the the film director. And as I said, he saw the film as, or it's a documentary, he saw it as a kind of a companion to the encyclical that has come out. It shows the different areas of hum- of humanity and the sufferings and the problems we face, including the pandemic. And in fact, he sees the film as uh, the documentary as giving a visual image to the encyclical. When you say he does, do you mean the director or the Pope? Afinesky, the director. Mm-hmm. And he also said he sought to contrast the, the film the documentary, it opens with the famous scene, the what is probably one of the iconic scenes of this papacy, of Pope Francis standing alone in a wet St. Peter's Square on March the 27th when the pandemic was at its height in Italy. Right, and the Pope did that very moving, urbi et orbi, extraordinary blessing. Yes, absolutely, and he quotes that. And then he shows at the end a kind of... the the moment of election. And he said, there was the Pope with this packed St. Peter's Squares, more than 100,000 people, perhaps a quarter of a million down the square. He said, and he he contrasts the two moments in this papacy. Mm. The Pope coming on the balcony on the night of the 13th of March, 2013, and the Pope standing on St. Peter's Square on the 27th of March, 2020. Completely empty. And he, he, he sees this contrast of light and darkness, in a sense. I, I, I was very impressed by this. Uh, it's moving, it's long. It's 116 minutes, Colleen. It's long. But for the, he said, you journalists speaking to me, he said, you, you go around, you saw all these, and you recorded and helped people to see it in different moments. But he said, I'm trying to give a more total vision for people who haven't had the privilege of being there or haven't even 
perhaps known about some of these incidents. Yeah, you know, Jerry, I actually wanted to draw that out a little bit because I know that when you and I were reading Fratelli Tutti, there were definitely things that stood out that the Pope touched on in the document where it was clear to anybody who has been following news about the Pope, you know, in recent years, it was clear that he was talking about things that he had been personally involved in, right? Whereas I think that maybe somebody who was less familiar might read Fratelli Tutti and say, oh, he, he's speaking about this global situation, he's speaking about this global situation, but not know, you know, that, that there was a history there between the Pope and, and whatever he was talking about. And so I think it was interesting to see this documentary as a companion piece to Fratelli Tutti and to see here's where the Pope has interacted with this issue, right? And I, I was wondering if you could give examples of, of where that comes up. Well, th- th- there are several examples. I, I, I think uh, one, one of the striking things is he presents, and he, he told me, he see, I, I see Francis as someone who listens and watches. He sees what's happening. He is very articulate, so he's able to speak the things with action and with words. And he's, he's a man of action. He, he said this was very clear. And, and he, he also said, uh, for example, in going into the Central African Republic to stop it, he also spoke about the abuse crisis in the church. And uh, he said that the Me Too moment revealed something in the United States about the, the violence against women, the, the way women are treated, etc. He said, but it also, uh, the church had its own Me Too moment in a sense, in a different scale in terms of the abuse. And he says, here we see Pope Francis again taking action. And he said, the great thing about him, he says, he's a leader who's not afraid to say, I made a mistake. He said, leaders today, that even we as people, men and women, we don't like to admit that we're wrong, that we've made a mistake. But when he went to Chile, he, he, made, he admitted that he made a mistake in reading, in, in, in assessing the situation there in terms of abuse. Yeah, we should, we should clarify for our listeners what happened there really briefly. Um, the Pope traveled to Chile and he was asked about these accusations of abuse against someone and he said, no, no, that's, that's all calumny. And then he got back to the Vatican and heard, well, maybe maybe it had some truth. And so he sent an investigator and ended up admitting that he had been wrong in dismissing the, the accusations. Yes. And in the film, we have Archbishop Shikluna, who was the, the investigator, the, as it were, the Vatican's public prosecutor at one stage, whom he sent to investigate the Chile, but whom he sent first to New York, where he met Juan Carlo Cruz, the Chilean, one of the three victims who, Evgeny said, in a way he resembles Pope Francis because he's someone who, who, who listens, sees a situation, and then sets out to do something about it. And of course, on the film, we see uh, Juan Carlos talking about his experience and also how he connected with the Pope. Right. Juan Carlos has become not only close with the Pope, but has also been a very vocal um, activist for you know getting getting the church to to handle the abuse crisis more effectively. Um, actually, I, the Juan Carlos interview brings me to the next point I wanted to talk about. You know, Juan Carlos uh, is is a gay man, and he has spoken to the press, and he says in this, this video that he's met with the Pope before and that the Pope has, you know, affirmed him in that identity. He's said, you know, the Pope told me, God made you gay. Um, and one of the things that's that's probably going to get some attention in this video is that um, that the Pope says, again, that he approved of civil unions for, for same-sex couples. Um, now, 
we know this this isn't new, right? The Pope said this in Argentina. It's just the first time that he has said it as Pope. I was wondering if you could give some of the background there. Well, I, I don't think it's the first thing he's, he said it as Pope. Uh, way back in Argentina, when there was a big debate about it, he, he, he argued that gay couples ha- had the right to have social security, various uh, legal protections, etc. by the state. He, he always argued this. And in, in fact, the film shows in, in the documentary, there's a scene where uh, a gay couple, Italian two men, they, they bring with the kids to the Pope. And he says, they're a family, you've got to care for them. And uh, he, he's very clear, and, and the film brings this out. The Pope is concerned about real people, about how they're living, about the situation they are, and he's anxious to affirm their lives, to help them. And yes, so some people, of course, uh, for, for some people, this, this, this is really unacceptable. And we know that in some countries, uh, the, the, the gays are really oppressed, uh, repressed. and Yeah, I, I was curious about how, you know, Pope Francis saying this on what's going to be such a visible platform, how that might play out in, in places, you know, where where homosexuality is, is still taboo or even criminalized. Well, it depends where this uh, documentary is shown. You know, the, the, because the, the Pope is on record in interviews, etc., saying the mm-hmm. same thing. So it, it, it's not something really new. Mm-hmm. And as I said, it goes back to his days, his position in Argentina. And so, th- th- but uh, it would be a tragedy, I, I think, if, if the film were reduced to one single thing like this. I mean, I, I know we in the ma- media look for a lead line and but and also in the encyclical, people are looking for one thing that they can reduce it to. But I, I think COVID, the pandemic, has taught us one thing: we've got to stop and think, and see if the way we are analyzing things, the way we're reducing things, is really the, the correct way. I think this documentary brings it out that we've got to keep the broader vision. Here is somebody who is giving hope, who is responding to the real situations. And at the end, you see the Pope saying, you know, change can happen. Join me in in trying to bring it about. This is a man who's opened his heart to the hearts of all of humanity. This is a man who cries with humanity, who laughs with humanity, who suffers with humanity. I'm convinced that we can make a difference I'm sure. Well, you know, Jerry, we saw Wim Wenders' uh, documentary, the German filmmaker's documentary that he did with Francis a couple of years ago now. And that documentary ended up being quoted in uh, in the new encyclical. I wonder if <laughs> I wonder if this documentary will be the next one to, to show up in an encyclical. Well, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, it shows that the Pope, as Evgeny said, he said, this Pope is now 83 going on 84. But the, the impressive thing about him is he's learning. He's learning all the time from the, from the modern world, and he's keen to learn. And he said, uh, from a personal experience, he said, I felt so comfortable when I sat with him and talked with him. He was simple. He, he was easy. And he was never, I never felt that he was above me or trying to be bigger than me. He, he was really at trying to meet me at my level. Right. And that's what a lot of folks say. I know you probably have personal experience of this knowing him. Uh, and I don't know if you want to talk about that. But yeah, everybody says that when they meet him, he's he's super personable and he, he doesn't think of himself as above, even though he is the Pope. And he said also, he said he's fun. 
because it's, I've always noticed over these years I've, when I've met him, he, he's very funny. He's got a great sense of humor and, and, and he enjoys a kind of comic moment. And he, he liked films a lot when he was a younger man. He used to see a lot of films. And so I wasn't surprised when Evgenie said in, he spent 40 minutes with him and, and he showed him all these clips of the film. On He said, I brought in my computer and I showed him. And the Pope was very attracted to creativity, the creative way that he's he's approaching the things. All right. So if our listeners want to uh, see the film Francesco by Evgeny Afanevsky, uh, Jerry, it's it's premiering in Rome uh, today when the listeners are hearing uh, hearing this show. But when can U.S. viewers watch it? Well, the film will have its U.S. premiere on Sunday, October 25th at the Savannah Film Festival followed by its debut at the Centerpiece Film at the Fort Lauderdale Film Festival on November the 13th. So it's it's arriving in the States. Now, I don't quite know who's distributing it, they haven't said, but for those who will read the encyclical, I think it will be, as I said earlier, a kind of a visual image to accompany it in some ways. Sounds good. All right, Jerry, thanks for taking the time to talk today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Colleen, and uh, look forward to our next chat. And I hope uh, our listeners are getting some enjoyment out of this show. Yes, and if you're enjoying the show, uh, please go to your favorite podcast app and leave us a rating or a review. It really helps us get the word out about the show. All right, we'll see you next time. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Production assistance from Kevin Christopher Robles and Robert Balliser in the Jesuit Curia. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's Inside Vatican Pod without the second I in Inside. For American Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Belly. We'll see you next time. <laughs>